Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today we get to speak with Ruth Klein. She is the CEO of Expert Celebrity Branding, Brand Visibility Strategist, and Master Book Coach. She's the author of seven best-selling books, and she works with high-achieving entrepreneurs, coaches, sales professionals, and company founders. Her focus is to help her clients expand into bigger possibilities, higher income, and make a major impact far beyond their perceived goals and expectations. She even helped one client land a million-dollar one-year consulting gig. Uh, She is amazing. She holds a master's degree in both clinical psychology and spiritual psychology. She's got an emphasis on consciousness, health, healing. She is the perfect guest for this podcast. Welcome to the show, Booth. Oh, thank you, Flavia. I really appreciate being here. It is so great to have you here because, I mean, you are one of this work-life balance thing that people have started talking about more and more. You've been on this focus for years and years and years. I mean, we're talking decades. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are. Yeah, sure. So I'll start with the um, the work-life balance. So years and years ago, when I had young kids at home, I worked uh, full-time and then I would make dinner um, and I would have healthy dinners within 30 minutes. And I remember there was a maintenance man there and um, I invited him to dinner and then dinner was ready. He goes, huh? You, you just invited me. You just came home. How did you do that? Well, I didn't think anything of it. And then started talking to my uh, girlfriends who had young families and Ruth, how do you do it? How do you work and stay involved in the community and all of that? Um, and still be able to have dinner on the table. And I, I I didn't really fully understand what they were talking about. It was so ingrained, I guess, in my DNA. So I decided to write a book about it. Where did the time go for, um, for working women? And then um, that was very, very well received. Um, immediately, media picked it up. And then years later, updated it to, and the most recent is uh, Time Management Secrets for Working Women. And that has sold really well. And so, you know, and then as as the as the years uh, move on, and we are even more in a frenetic world, how do you? You know, that's the question. How do you maintain calm? How do you maintain being centered? How do you maintain staying creative and still be able to nurture? Uh, the people in your family and communicate well with people in business. I mean, it just it just goes on and on. And now, you know, and now with um, a phone, the phone has always been an issue, always has been an issue. Uh, but now it's even more so because you can literally take your phone anywhere and you can, you know, be on a mountaintop and, and have a, a thriving business. So um, so that's that's part of it. Uh, so I started doing that, 
And then I was also teaching college while I was still in college, getting a master's degree in clinical psychology. And um, and I had a few clients in there. Uh, they were all or- older than I. It was an evening class. And uh, one gentleman worked for AT&T, and he just loved what I had to share. Um, and it was in psychology and uh, business. And he introduced me to someone at AT&T and I went in and said, hi, and they hi- he hired me on the spot and I became their training department uh, with performance appraisals, communication styles, time management, um, work-life balance. Even in those days, there weren't a lot of women, so many women um, in the higher ranks, but there was still uh, a need for, for time management and productivity. Um, and that Pretty much, I just kept, you know, doing that, and it just kept seemingly uh, writing more books about it. And I'm on my eighth book now, and um, and working with um, working with people in corporate, and uh, working with people who left corporate to start their their own companies. All of these issues become even more and more important. Time is that limited resource that. One, you can't recreate. So, you know, the seconds tick by, the hours, the minutes, it's it's gone. It's water under the bridge. And we're all just struggling with that. I, I feel like I haven't found anyone, even the people that have really focused on time management, like trying to have a balanced life where they have time for all the things that are important to them and they find meaningful, yet also all the responsibilities and the stuff that I call life admin, you know, just all the the little things that actually eat up quite a bit of our time, like scheduling the doctor's appointments and staying on the phone with the insurance company to make sure the renewal went through and, you know, all these kind of life chores. And, but it, you've studied psychology, like how we tick. So in your opinion, you know, how is it that we as humans conceptualize time and like its role in our life and how we structure our lives around that? That's a really good question. Really good question most of us tend to try and beat the clock and i will tell you right now that will never happen you you will never you will never win out the clock that's number 1 number 2 time management and productivity is also an energy thing and so one of the ways to be most productive i mean that's a loaded question that you asked so i'm going to try and break it up a little bit but one of the ways to be most productive and utilize your time best is to know what your biorhythm is. That's very, very important. In Europe, years ago, pilots could not fly a plane unless all three of the markers of their biorhythms were above zero. So there is mental, there is, I can't think of what those three versions are, but all that those, there are three biomarkers on biorhythms and you can actually you can actually see what they are in advance it's really very very cool but nonetheless not to go down that path so most people most people are early morning people that is the time you do not want to sit and have a meeting and yet where are we a lot with corporate america or in businesses first thing we have meetings and we we help we help kill the uh, motivation and energy for our people so uh, the best time to have a meeting, if you have to have a meeting, number one is to have 
is to have it 30 minutes or 20 minutes before noon. And then you know that people aren't going to hang around. You have standing meetings. And for those who have to have a chair, there's a chair, but there's a reason that they're sitting. And there is an agenda. So everyone knows what's going to be discussed. And then you can have your meeting then. Another good time to have a meeting is late in the afternoon before work stops, maybe 4.30 to 5. Now, today's world, you know, it's unfortunately work is 24-7. And that's the that brings me to the, the next thing. And that is you've got to be able to regulate and have boundaries. If you do not, if you do not uh, control your uh, time, nobody else will. And it's not because they are mean or they don't want to. They don't know. And you're not keeping boundaries. So I've been able to write books when I had kids at home because I had boundaries. When the door was closed to my study, the kids knew unless unless someone was bleeding, not to bother me. And because I felt guilty that they were, you know, I couldn't be available when I was at the house working, I thought, what can I do to treat the kids so they can be a partner with me on writing this book? And so I said, you know what? When the book gets bought, not accepted, but bought, had to be accepted and bought, then we're uh, we're going to treat you to a night at the Disneyland Hotel. And they got all excited. And I shared with them that this is their way to help me write the book by allowing me to write the book when the door is shut. And everyone was happy. And then quite honestly, now I'm on my eighth book and my kids are grown, but now I owe them a week at the in Florida <laughs> at Disney World. Because when I was writing my second book, one of the children said, uh, mommy, when, you know, are we going to spend two nights at the Disneyland hotel when this book is bought? And how do you say no to that? And I said, absolutely. So, you know, there, there are ways to do that even with children, but you've got to have boundaries. When someone tells me they work 70 hours a week, 90 hours a week, I personally am not impressed. That immediately tells me that they don't have boundaries. And, and it's interesting, Flavia, because I can, I can find almost, almost with anyone's schedule, an extra hour a day. So I love what you said about the kids because there's so many people that struggle with work-life balance once they have a family, have children, have these other responsibilities because there's a lot more to juggle. And you know, you're not just juggling things and work and projects, you're juggling little human beings who have their own needs and you know, their own, you want to do the best for them. And a lot of times that does feel like a conflict with work because unless <laughs> and I, I don't, I love that your kids, the way they participated in your work is they kind of left you alone so you could do the work. Um, I know in a lot of different households, the kids might even pitch in and sort of like, hey, help me wrap all these boxes that we're sending out or, you know, let's do assembly line and you know, make it fun. And um, there's, there's other ways to get the kids involved too, I'm sure. But <laughs> we're, we're setting examples for them too. I mean, they're watching. I mean, they're learning right. As, right. as we go about our lives as parents. And they're thinking, okay, this is how you are and how you set up your day as an entrepreneur. You know, my mom, my dad, my whoever it is, uncle is an entrepreneur. I, I watch them. I see what it is. And we have to inspire kids not only to, to follow their paths. And if they want to do entrepreneurship, they should be able to start companies and businesses, but also how to do it right so that they preserve their own mental health. I love that you're so focused on you know, the psychology of all of this and also, you know, people staying so healthy 
So a little bit more on that, because I, that was an eye opener for me that you talked a little bit about books and the authorship process. There's a lot of listeners who are aspiring authors. And the number one thing I hear from people that have a book in them that they want to write that hasn't been written yet is mm-hmm. there isn't enough time. Right. <laughs> other than, like you said, working with the family to like be left alone so that you can go to a room and close the door and write. Um, there's also other things. Keep I know people who don't have any kids or pets and they, they still haven't written their book. So what are ways that people can become prolific writers and get some of these ideas out in the world? Okay. So excellent question once again. So what happens usually is that when someone wants to write a book, they usually just kind of start writing. There's no strategy. There's no structure. Um, they don't. They don't have a lot of information they need. And so there are three myths, huge myths about writing books. One is I don't have enough time, which is not accurate because I'm very busy and I work with very, very busy um, entrepreneurs and um, and CEOs and founders. Another one is um, no one's going to read what I have to say. That's another myth because it doesn't matter that there's, you know, a thousand and twenty or more books on finance. It's about your view, your perception, how you have done it, the experiences, the results you've received. So everyone has what's called a different voice, a different perception, a different story in terms of how they got there. That's what people really like. Um, And the third, there are many more myths, but the third myth is I'm not a good writer. Well, you know, (laughs) it really doesn't matter. Again, people are buying your books for your ideas, for your voice, for the way you did something, for the success that you have. By not writing a book, uh, well, let me reframe that uh, or reframe that. When you write a book, you can save lives, you can save relationships, you can save health, you can save someone from financial bankruptcy, you can save someone from having uh, a dis-ease that doctors have not been able to find any relief for. So it's, it's so important that if you get that calling to write a book, that is a direct message, I think from a much higher source, that there is something very important that you have that you need to share. So it it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter that you, you're not the best writer in the world, because that's why you have editors. Even though six of my seven books are traditionally published, I still pay and hire an editor uh, before it goes to my book publisher, because I want my books to sound just like me. I want it to be so clean and so clear and so real for the reader. And that has been the case. And it's interesting. There's an alarming statistic. Out of a thousand people who pick up uh, and start to write a book, only 30 will complete the book out of a thousand. That is depressing. It, It is. However, that's because they don't have any guidance. That's because they don't have any accountability. That's because no one has laid out a plan or a pathway with them. I'll give you an example. Someone found out about me and that I also work with people who have books, but nothing has happened. And so she was from a different country 
and she sent me her book, but it was English speaking. She sent me her book. I interviewed her for about 20, 25 minutes. And I said, I'm so sorry. This book does not represent or reflect you and your ideas. That's why nothing's happening with your book. She said, but Ruth, you don't understand. I had a book coach. I have published it. And that all takes time and money. And I said, I'm so sorry. The only thing I would keep is the book cover. So she kept the book cover and I helped her rewrite the book. And she had her first $10,000 weekend. That's what I'm talking about. You have to have someone who who knows what type of structure to help you with. They need to know the strategy. And your strategy is different depending upon what you want to do and who you are. The structure can even be different. I also set, I also help my clients identify the days and the times that they're going to be writing. I give them little homework assignments every time we meet weekly, which gets them closer and closer to actually they're writing their book. Within the first session or two, we've already identified the what's called the working book chapters, working book chapters, meaning that they can make the, the book chapters a little sexier. But right now they're they're working. They un, we understand what goes into them. And I help them um, identify the an easy way to put information in there. So all of that, and and quite honestly, on my watch, I have a 99.2% success rate when someone works with me, they're going to finish their book. And the reason they're going to finish their book is because I want them to have fun while they write their book, believe it or not. And I give them accountability. And the moment, I mean, the moment they might feel they're stuck, they have access to me. And many times it only takes five, seven minutes to to reprogram them so that they can start writing their book again. That's what they need. Uh, because, you know, there was someone who had wanted to write a book for 10 years. And when she finally found me, the, the reason she was having such a difficult time is because um, I said, you know, Jackie, there are three books here. There are three books. And then once we were able to identify that, um, and call it what it was, and then identify what the three different books were, then I was able to help her with each one of those books. So there, there's a gal that was so busy. She really wanted to work with me from Norway, but she was on her way uh, as an entrepreneur to hitting a million dollars. And she goes, I really want to work with you. I really want to write a book. And I said, I'll tell you what, let's get started. And if you find that you don't have the time, because she thought writing the book would take her away from hitting a million dollars in her business. And, um, and I said, let's start writing the book. And if you feel at any time that it's taking you away from your business, I'll give you your money back. And so she ended up, she ended up writing her book in record time instead of five months, four months. And I said that her book helped her get to that million dollar mark because that's what a well done book does. It helps you attract your ideal clients. It attracts you far more income. It, I mean, it just, it does a number, a number of amazing things that helps you become the thought leader um, in your field. Well, especially, yeah, entrepreneurs, especially service entrepreneurs, people who are their authorities in their field, like you said, thought leaders, people considered experts in what they do. If someone is building a business around that personal brand, yet there is no book, like an easily digestible, accessible place where you can get to know this person and read about, you know, their philosophy or their methods or, you know, their concepts, 
it's lacking. I mean, you, you really need a book out there if you're an entrepreneur these days. I'm a firm believer in that. And um, I know you've seen a lot of amazing things happen for entrepreneurs who sort of finally bit the bullet and put their thoughts on paper in a way that can be distributed, you know, in a 100, 200, 300, 300 page sort of capsule where people can get to know them. What are some of those authors that you've worked with where it made a really critical difference in their business? I want to, I want to address that. That's a beautiful question. I love your questions. Uh, before I do, you had mentioned services, but I'm going to share with you also with product to have a book around a product. I'll give you an example. I was in a bookstore. I love bookstores. And, and there was a book, uh, Pendleton. I don't know if, if you know that brand, but at Disneyland, they used to have a, a sponsored area of Pendleton and the, um, that they were shirts and they were, you know, they were really for cold weather and mountains and hiking. And I saw a book that they had written and it was amazing. It was amazing. And all of a sudden I liked the brand. I didn't wear the brand, but I loved the brand and I loved the brand 10 times more. And it had hiking trails and it was it was remarkable. So I I'd like to extend that not a book not only for services but also for your product. So for example, let's say that you have some beauty product. How cool would that be to write a book to tell the story? Uh, I remember uh, Starbucks, and I'm going to call that a product. It's a service, but it's mostly a product. And I remember uh, being in Santa Barbara, going to a coffee shop. At, it was a Starbucks coffee shop. Surprise, surprise. And um, Howard Schultz, who was the CEO at the time, wrote his first book. And so I love books. And so I picked it up and I started reading it while I, I was at Starbucks. And I didn't love Starbucks brand before that. But after reading the book, I fell in love with Howard Schultz. And I fell in love with Starbucks because there were stories that I could relate to that I was aligned with. And that is, and that story explains why he's so employee centric. It explains why he gives unbelievable uh, insurance coverage to part-timers. I mean, it's just over the top phenomenal. So I'm going to extend that services and also writing a book for products. Does that make sense? <laughs> that does. No, I love what you said. And that the Pendleton book wasn't necessarily a book like, here's how we make this jacket. And here's, the, you know, came up with a logo. It's not really yes. about the yeah. company, but it, it was like a value add. It was like, here's great hiking trails. It was more aligned with the people that love the brand and what. Ex that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And Whole Foods before uh, Amazon bought it. There's a book, a beautiful book called Conscious Capitalism that Whole Foods put out, the, the CEO put out Conscious Capitalism. I mean, just the title of that called me and I fell just in love with that. And then, you know, next thing I know, um, Amazon bought them. But um, at any rate, so it's also with products. But um, going back to your your excellent question of how how has a book helped some of my clients? Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I'm doing a, an October live event, first one since 2019. Yay. And um, it's how to become a best-selling author and how to take 
any of your content, whether it's blogging or social media, and whether you have a book or you don't have a book, how do you repurpose that and monetize? And then if you do want to write a book, how do you make that a bestseller? So it's going to be so much fun. But to answer that specific, and if people are interested, just, you know, connect with me. But there is one gal, the gal that I had shared who had her first $10,000 weekend. And if you, if you sell something like two to 3,000 copies yourself the first year your book is out, then you have a very good opportunity to get a traditional publisher if you want to republish your book. And the one thing that a traditional publisher does that, that just cannot beat is distribution. They're phenomenal on distribution. And now there's also what's called hybrid publishers, uh, the middle ground. It's not self-publishing, which I wouldn't suggest. There's traditional publishing, which is harder to get, and you have to write a book proposal. And in the middle, there's what's called a hybrid publisher. And you pay them, but they do help with distribution, and you can uh, negotiate where you could get 60, 70, 80% of your money, and you, they take care of everything for you. So that's one. Another gal was in the academic world. And this would be whether it's corporate or academic, there's a different language that goes on in the corporate world. There's a different language that goes on in the academic world. And so um, for this gal, we had to, we had, I had to help her write a book where as though she was talking to a friend versus teaching in that academic world. So we had to do that first. And then it, it was a finance book specific for uh, women, divorce, women that are thinking of divorce, in the middle of a divorce or post-divorce. What can you do uh, with that and still keep your finances? And once we wrote that, uh, she ended up being asked to write New York Times columns uh, from the book. In addition to that, she became a partner because she was getting more clients. In addition to that, um, I help people write scripts because writing messaging is what I do. And so I helped her write a script um, so that she got comfortable with one of her best types of um, affiliates who are divorce attorneys, because up until that point, she was a little nervous uh, in terms of talking to them and, and how do you how do you approach them and, and all of that? Another gal was told that she needs to write a book. And so someone knew of me. She was referred to me. And ironically enough, she had been in corporate America as well. She wanted to start her own company. Someone, as I mentioned, said, you need to write a book. So I helped her write a book. And when I help my people write books, it's far more than just writing a book, as though that's not enough, but it's a lot. We I help them also identify and write their signature speech. So I helped her write her signature speech. She gave her speech, and then someone was in the audience and said, that was phenomenal. Can you, can you give a TEDx talk? And so from the book to a speech to a TEDx talk, that happens a lot with my clients. Another, oh, another client, uh, two attorneys, a husband and wife team, and they had a young family. They didn't want to, you know, spend so many hours in the office. So wrote a book and it turned into a PBS special. And now they are, they're on uh, television when people ask for their specific topic, uh, needing an attorney. I mean, I could go on and on. Another gal. Uh, from Australia, 
wrote a book in record time, four months. And again, ironically enough, she came from corporate America, wanted to become an entrepreneur. Someone suggested in order to get clients, write a book. And uh, because she couldn't, she just couldn't get uh, clients, even though she she was working in the marketing department in uh, corporate America. It's a whole different ball game, as you know, in as an entrepreneur. So I helped her write a book, and um, and with her, she wanted she wanted one of the Shark Tank public figures <laughs> personalities to to write something on the cover, and um, and she said, "Well, that'll never happen." And I said, "Why not?" And she goes, "X Y Z. Why not?" And I go, "Well." I'll help you write the script. So we did. I did. She did. And she ended up getting one of the Shark Tank celebrities to write. And we posted it on the cover of her book. And not only that, she she only wanted to have 10 clients at $25,000 for the year to make a quarter of a million dollars. And with her book, that that is what she was able to do. Now, does everyone, can everyone do that? No, that is not, that is not a financial statement. That is not anything other than this is a, a scenario that where this happened. I mean, it goes on and on. <laughs> well, it's a topic that's, you know, near and dear to my heart for sure. We've only just scratched the surface. I am betting that there are people listening to you who are thinking, I want to write my book. So how do people get in touch with you? How do they learn more about your services? And if they want to just follow along in your own journey as this person who is the coach that is helping all of these books be birthed. Thank you for that. I just want to share that since time for some people, they don't even want to write it. They want a book, but they don't want to write it. So just this year, we expanded to ghostwriting. So we do have a division now for ghostwriting. And, and I have a hybrid publisher who's excellent. So we ghostwrite. And then we can get their book published as well. So they can contact me on my website, ruthkline.com. And Klein is K-L-E-I-N, ruthkline.com. Also, they can find me on YouTube. Every Tuesday, I do a free Ruth on Demand. Uh, I started that. I'll probably finish that through the year. They can find me on social media. On Instagram, I'm Ruth.Klein and LinkedIn, Ruth Klein. And they can also, if they want to, if you want to just chat, have a complimentary chat and see which direction might be best for you for a book idea or messaging or scripting or ghostwriting or anything like that, you can contact me at chat with Ruth Klein. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you. I love the inspiration and motivation. Just even hearing you speak about what the the book writing life can be. You know, I've been always a huge fan. I've I've written books, as my audience knows, and I there's nothing that I recommend more when entrepreneurs come to me and they say, you know, what can help my business? I, I'm always telling them, consider writing a book on your topic. So I do hope everyone reaches out to you. The service that you provide for authors is an amazing and critical one. And thank you so much for spending time with us today, sharing your message. Oh, my pleasure. This was so much fun. Thank you, Flavia. Guess what, lifestyle solopreneurs? If you don't yet have an online business earning you enough passive income to live the life of your dreams, I'd like to suggest you consider trying out Kajabi. 
Kajabi is an all-in-one solution where you can create and teach online courses, publish a paid newsletter, launch a free or paid podcast, process payments, build one-on-one coaching portals for your clients, and much, much more. I personally use Kajabi to power numerous successful and profitable online businesses. Lifestyle solopreneurs, there's a free trial of Kajabi waiting for you at this link, www.kfreetrial.com. You can try Kajabi for free, no obligation, by going to www.kfreetrial.com. Again, kfreetrial.com, and that K stands for Kajabi. Starting an online business helped me break free from that corporate grind, and I hope it does the same for you. You have nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and see you next time.